Thanks for joining us. This is Charlie Lofton, a pastor at the Grove Church. I'm really glad that you have decided to join us and you caught us in week four in a series on Proverbs. We've been we started with a general overview of what just kind of what Proverbs is. It's some people's favorite book. It's other people's least favorite book and why that is and what really what's going on there. What's the best way to approach it? And, and in the process of that, we came across really um, three questions that that make it sometimes difficult for us to really appreciate and understand Proverbs. Uh, but also, if we can get these questions resolved a little bit in our brain, it really just kind of helps us really dive in better into the the great wisdom that we find there in the book of Proverbs. And uh, the first question was, we just talked about what Proverbs was. It's a, it's a, it's a collection of pithy statements that communicate some wisdom about life. And these things are generally true. And most of us were very kind of caught off guard at the idea of reading something in the Bible that not is, that's not 100% always true, but is generally true. How do I approach a piece of scripture that is not absolutely true, but is only generally true, which is the, the genre of a proverb? So we spent some time uh, a couple of weeks ago talking about that and just kind of how to process and approach and interpret the scripture, uh, Proverbs specifically, but also all scripture based on the genre in which it was written. And a proverb has great wisdom and is worth following, even if we cannot 100% guarantee that the positive result that comes from wisdom will always happen. And then uh, last week, we spent some time talking about the author. The author is a bit of a problematic guy. He is described in parts of scripture as having this immense, incredible wisdom. But at the same time, there is much about his life that leaves a lot to be desired and is not a particularly admirable person and does not seem to live a life that we would typically associate with a life of wisdom. And so what do we do with that? How do we take advice? How do we take wisdom from somebody that we don't personally really respect or doesn't have a life that doesn't seem to match that? And so we just spent some time talking about that, about that God ultimately uses all sorts of people, that imperfect people can produce great bits of wisdom. And then also just really understanding that he can have all of this incredible wisdom, but it does not compare to the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, which God offers us now through Jesus Christ. And so we can take this wisdom and embrace it, even if uh, we don't necessarily respect the author. But ultimately, the last question is like one of the things we talked about again a few weeks ago was how uh, it's it's not really arranged in a, in a way that makes sense to Western thinkers. Like if we think this is going to be a book of wisdom, we would expect it to to read a passage and it flows, or the, the 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 proverbs build on each other, or they're categorized in some way by themes. Like here's a whole bunch of ones about marriage. Solomon on marriage and you go for a little while Solomon on money and he goes on money for a little while but it is it's it's really random and they don't really build and it's difficult to study like we're used to studying books like like letters of Paul where he is building an argument or he is responding to a problem and you can look at a passage and it's a cohesive paragraph or two that makes sense and that he's like He's making some sort of logical argument that you can dissect and he's telling truths or we're reading stories that have a beginning of some sort of plot, some sort of resolution. Then, and then they, then, then they end. And then, um, and there's some big picture moral point that the story's trying to make. We, we approach scripture typically in these kind of 
passage chunks, chapters, half chapters, those kinds of things. But Proverbs are random statements that just kind of pop at you like like popcorn without any real cohesiveness to them. And so sometimes we can we can struggle a little bit in in, in how to read or study Proverbs. And so that's why most of your like year long Bible reading plans, I don't know if you've ever gotten in on one of those, but if you have not, I would encourage you to, but you get on one of these year long Bible reading plans and have a little bit of the Old Testament, a little bit of the New Testament, maybe a Psalm, and then like two or three verses out of Proverbs. And so it's like the best way to approach it, according to these plans is like, there's just, just take two, just take two, just, and just kind of chew and meditate on what this one proverb has to say. Um, But if you get into a Bible reading plan that is essentially taking you cover to cover, then what you'll find is like you are just reading a chapter of Proverbs and you've just kind of been hit from seven different directions on seven different topics. And on those seven different topics is saying two or three different things. And it may not feel like having read Proverbs chapter 15 that you have some cohesive idea about what it is that you just read. So if you find yourself in a situation, man, I, I okay, we've been talking about Proverbs, I've, I've, I've avoided it, or I've kind of been confused by it, and now I want to study Proverbs and really understand it. Let's spend some time, we'll spend some time talking about what I think are some of the best approaches to this. And so the first thing that I would suggest is that you really do need to have a big picture approach to this. Do not have a passage approach to it. I think, honestly, maybe it's a little bit, you know, it's like you can come at Proverbs in any other way than passage. Like if you studied Proverbs one verse at a time, like one pithy statement at a time, I'm going to study what this is saying. If you did that, you'd get something great. And if you look at it as a whole book, you would get some pretty good insight. But if you look at it from passage to passage, chapter to chapter, it's going to be difficult. So I encourage you to have a big picture approach because the idea here that Solomon is trying to get across is, is that it's important to live a life of wisdom. In those first nine chapters, he is giving over and over again, motivational speeches, poems, songs, if you will, about why living a life of wisdom is really important and contrasting wisdom with folly and comparing a life of foolishness with a life of wisdom, personifying wisdom as a, an incredibly strong, powerful woman that you need to follow and completely trust. And so he's making this case for what is wisdom and why wisdom is important. And so I think you go through that study and I would just, I would, I would, as you're going through Proverbs, again, if you're doing it a chapter at a time or a couple of chapters at a time, or you're going at a slower pace or whatever, I would just have a notebook or some, some note-taking device of some kind where you are asking yourself the question, what is wisdom? We all have our definitions for it. And if you're here a few weeks ago, it kind of gave you one that wisdom essentially is applied knowledge. It's, it's a decision-making tool. It's, it's, it's how to make the best decision based on experience, knowledge, and understanding. It's not just knowledge in the sense of I know a fact. It is applied knowledge. It's knowing how the things I know, based on the situation that I'm in and the options that I have before me, what is the best decision for me? And so we have these kind of shorthand definitions for it, but wipe the slate clean. 
wipe the slate clean and start over. If the only, if my only experience with the word wisdom or the concept of wisdom and what wisdom is, is my experience with this book, what would I get? What would my book of Proverbs definition of wisdom be? And obviously you're going to find a lot of things. You're, you're going to come to something along the lines of, of all of these definitions. It's going to definitely have to, you're going to have something in there that's practical, important, God-centered. You're going to have these different aspects to it, but that's the big picture idea of the whole book. And so as I'm reading this, I'm asking myself the question, what is wisdom? And the second question that goes before, and again, I would almost have these like on different pages or different note sections on uh, your phone or computer or iPad or whatever. You see, why is this so important? Because there is a big picture question here that we have to understand. God made a decision to include in his scripture, this catalog, if you will, of a lot of just kind of whippy statements about whether or not you should take on debt and whether or not you should co-sign someone else's debt and what, what, what do you do when you're tempted to lust and how important is sleeping in versus hard work? And there's all these things about all these topics about how to be a good friend and what does God consider justice and what's the best way to use your words and what can happen if you don't use your words right? Just all of these all of these just kind of, again, this, this is kind of splattering of life advice. Why would God include it? He, he made a decision to, in addition to the doctrinal teaching, in addition to commands, in addition to all the, the, the moral stories that he tells about real people that he interacted with, the moral stories that Jesus tells that are parables that are not, that are, that, that are not based on real people, but just, you know, just these parables that he tells. He include, why, why not just teach us? Why also put this compilation of wisdom together. There is some reason why understanding and approaching life through this lens of living a life full of wisdom, there's a reason why it's important. What, what are those reasons? And you will find them. You will find Solomon giving you some very specific answers to that question, but you will find yourself the more and more you read about it, the more you read these things and you read about Hey, if you'll do this, this will happen. If you don't do this, this won't happen. Or oh, be careful about doing this or this bad thing will happen. You'll see all these things and you'll start to put some themes together of your own of this is why living a life of wisdom is important. And I think too often, like again, a, a, a 21st century American approach to Christianity can be um, very focused on a life of knowledge. I live a life of knowledge. I live a life of experience. I live a life of devotion. I live a life of obedience. And all of those things have their place. And you will find different books or passages that focus on how living a life focused on those things. But God also in all of that said, wanted you to spend some time, slow down and think about what it meant to live a life of wisdom. Why is that important? And then third question would be, what does wisdom even look like? What does it look like? If you were going to describe a person or a life that is a wise life, what does it look like? What are the characteristics of someone that's like you look at them and you think that is a wise person? And I know right now, if I asked you that question, I was like, man, describe to me what a wise person looks like. You very likely have, there's probably a face of someone that popped into your head, someone that you consider to be a mentor or a friend 
or a, a friend of your parents or maybe one of your parents or someone like that, someone who you just think and they have lived a certain life and I admire it and I would consider them wise. Maybe you think not the way that somebody lives their life, but just by their ability to give advice. You have in your head an image probably of a specific person or maybe an idealized version of a specific person. This is what a life of wisdom looks like. Okay, again, wipe that slate clean and answer the question, well, if all I know about wisdom and living a life of wisdom is found in the book of Proverbs, what does that look like? And so if you've got these big picture questions that you're asking about wisdom and a life of wisdom and its importance, it doesn't really matter how random or haphazard the collection of Proverbs happens to be. They will all in some way touch on one or more of these big picture questions, which allows you then to begin categorizing, again, the big picture idea of the book of Proverbs. And the big picture idea of Proverbs is you need to live a life of wisdom. And in order for me to understand that, I need to know what wisdom is. I need to know why that's important. I need to know what it looks like. And so no matter what the particular type of advice is or what the warnings are, or the encouragements are, no matter the specifics of it, it is all helping you put together a solid definition of wisdom, its importance, and, its, and the way that it looks practically. And so that's one big picture way that I would encourage you to kind of walk through the book of Proverbs. The second big picture thing that I would encourage you to do is to identify what the major themes are. So you, you read through it once and you're going to say, man, there's a lot of stuff in here about money. And so I would write again, get your little note section, write the word money. There's a lot in here that says something about marriage. There's a lot of things that talks about friendship. There's some things in here that talk about justice, things that talk about um, speech. And as you think of these major themes, write them down and give them their own section and then come back and fill in those categories. What does Proverbs say about money? What does it say about the way that I talk? And one interesting thing, this is obviously, this is just a bit of a side note. You, if you wrote all those things down, you're going to be surprised at the number of times in the book of Proverbs that Solomon thinks it's important for you to know that you're not supposed to co-sign on somebody else's loan. And that, that is, uh, of all the bits of wisdom that are out there, that, that, that one gets repeated the most. Matt says something, and you put that into, together with all the other things it says about money, and you're going to recognize that there's a lot more that the Bible has to say about money than you're supposed to give it to God. And there's some incredible wisdom there. And is when it talks about the way that you use your you use your tongue, the way that you use your words, that you're going to understand it's not just don't lie. There's a lot of wisdom in the way that we use our speech and our words with other people. And so as you put together these big picture themes and categories, he's like, first of all, what are they? And, and what does that, and what do these proverbs say about these particular topics? And so then you'll find yourself populating Again, these, the big picture ideas about wisdom in general, and then the specific wisdom about these particular, each of these individual topics. And the more that you notice repetition, when something finds itself, it just, it just keeps getting repeated. It keeps being said the same way. And you, you, begin to, you begin to feel the emphasis and you begin to feel that, man, there are some really kind of some linchpins, some keys to wisdom. 
And I do believe that you will be surprised um, by some of them. The last piece of advice that I would give would be to spend more time, not less time, on the Proverbs that you don't like. There's going to be a few of them that are going to come across that they're going to hit you the, they're going to hit you the wrong way. There's going to be something about it that is upsetting to you. Uh, one of them, I think, is one we've already identified where it essentially says that God won't let righteous people go hungry um, and, and he's going to restrain the, the prosperity of evil people. And you think, but that's just not true. That's just not true. And, and, and you're going to, and you're going to feel something about it. And I think it's important for you to slow down. It's like, what is the idea that God is getting across here? And what ways is this generally true? But why is it, but it's not completely true. And, and why is it not? And what does the scripture tell us about life that makes these pieces of wisdom not as true as maybe we would want them to be? And my guess is, is that you're going to find some that are just kind of weird, maybe even feel outdated. I'll throw one out for you. There's one that kind of gets mentioned a couple of times where it says that it's better to live on the corner of your roof than to have to live with a contentious woman. Or it says something like, 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 a, like, a, like, like a leak that won't stop dripping is like a nagging wife. And it's gonna, that's going to that's gonna hit you. You're like, I don't, I don't like that. It's not going to feel right culturally. It's like, I mean, no one, no one say, why would, you, why would you say that? Slow down. Why did that offend you? Why did it bother you? Is there truth in what that's saying? What is it trying to communicate? Why do you think it would be said in a way that in, in your brain feels offensive? Do you think a woman at that time would have also found it offensive? Is the use of kind of shocking language intended to draw you into it? And there's going to be more things like that, things that are going to feel overstated, feels that are going to feel shocking. And I think too often we rush past the more shocking, um, controversial pieces of scripture. We either blow past them and, and, and in doing so, we do one of two things. We pretend that they're not there or we just put a little mental, emotional mark in our heart of one more reason why I don't like the Bible or why I don't like what God has to say or why I think it's outdated. And so you don't really process it. You either ignore it or you just allow it to kind of bother you when you move on. When really, especially in Eastern literature, Eastern literature, there are going to be pieces that are always in scripture that are going, that are designed to make you go, I don't like that. And the purpose of the I don't like that's are to slow you down and to make sure that you are getting what God's trying to get across. If all you read all day in a passage of Proverbs are things that you liked or weren't really that shocking, hey, you should be nice. Have you considered being nice? Don't be wasteful with your money. Work hard. Be a good friend. You'd be like, uh, just, what is even the point of this? But you read something that kind of like, that's not true. There are bad people prospering all over. In fact, I just read Psalms last month and it and that was one of the things David was complaining about. That is a shocking thing to say about women. That that seems to that that doesn't seem like great parenting advice and you're going to feel that and you're going to stop and you're going to slow down and then ask yourself good questions because the best revelations and insights we have into life and scripture are the ones that are earned not the ones that make us say, yeah, yeah, yeah.
And so I would encourage you as you are attacking Proverbs, again, to have a big picture approach, to make sure that you are understanding the big picture themes, the big picture idea about wisdom. But, and then again, even with that big picture mindset, to also have a slow approach that we are taking notice of the ones that seem to be the most controversial, the most, the most, the most untrue the, or the least likely true or whatever, and to take some time and wrestle with the wisdom that God is trying to get across. There is a lot more in Proverbs than simply be nice, be a good friend, don't have sex with somebody who's not your wife. There's a lot more to it than that, but it's going to take a different approach. And hopefully over these last few weeks, if we've kind of wrestled through some of these problems, and again, this week talked about how we can have a different, um, a more meticulous approach to kind of how to study Proverbs, that we can get a lot more depth and wisdom from this scripture, from the book of Proverbs, than a lot of times most of us do. Again, thanks for joining us, and I hope that you've been able to listen to all of the weeks of our talk about Proverbs. Again, if you'd like to know more about us, you can go to thegrovechurch.org, and we would love to see you on a Sunday, either live or online. Thanks again for joining us.